kids, you can head on upstairs. Excuse me. I would tell you to turn to a certain passage, but we're going to be all over again today, so you have to get your turning fingers on today. <clears throat> those of you who use, who cheat and use those electronic devices, that's not fair. <laughs> you remember, remember the game? You do this. How do you do that with an iPad? How do you do that with a telephone? You know, that's a sad. I don't know. <laughs> I... I use the inspired notebook. So those in connections class, you understand. I, I was telling my wife here a while back, I, I don't know, I saw it somewhere, and anybody remember growing up with the big chief notepad, you know? Yeah, aren't those awesome? I thought, I wonder if they still make them. Amazon. So I this is my inspired pad that I use for my messages. So... If you wonder how techy I am, I still handwrite all my messages, so uh, I'm, I'm kind of way behind the rest of you guys. But if you're ever in this building and there is a fire, there is a very large file cabinet in my office. Drag that out. I don't care what else. You know, women and children, leave them. Get the file cabinet. Drag that out. All right. <laughs> I'm teasing, but... Uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's a good day, isn't it? And uh, I'm just so thankful for what God does in our lives and our hearts and, and uh, thankful for what God is doing here. And uh, it truly is a, a blessing to get to be a part of this. And, and uh, y- you know, as we continue to grow and as we continue to see the, the, the country in, in I, I don't know if you call it a decline or not, but it definitely there's a lot of immorality that seems to have a lot of the voice. I, I'm not sure. I, I would say it probably is worse because God says that things will get worse. I'm, I'm not sure h- how, how bad it is in comparison to years ago. It's just that we know everything now. We're, we're in a, uh, a time with all the social media and, and all of the, um, the equipment that we have, we, we know what's going on all over the world immediately as it happens. And and uh, sometimes it can really get overwhelming, and we uh, ha- have to deal with with several things that maybe uh, we shouldn't have to all at once, but here we are. We are dealing with it, and we have to, and we're dealing with a country that's full of confusion these days, and, and uh, how do we navigate this world when when it is so confused, and well, the, the standard, and we've already seen this, I'm not going to go back and, and look at the Bible but uh, on what it says about itself, but that is the standard that we have is God's Word, and it sets the standard for us, and so we need to conduct our lives according to what God's Word says, and I am so thankful that God's Word doesn't change. It's been the same since He had it penned, and it will forever be that, and we can count on that. And so I pray that as we navigate through some of the challenges that uh, we deal with in in society, I want to be able to uh, equip you with what the Bible says about uh, different issues. And I think in this state of confusion that we're at, that 
one of the foundational uh, attacks that, that uh, uh, Satan has waged against Christianity is the idea of creation versus evolution. And we have seen this for uh, years and years, and, and it is one of the most attacked, ridiculed, uh, <coughs> criticized, and denied uh, is the literal six-day creation. And, well, we need to see what God's Word says about it. And there, there are, uh, for many decades now, we know that uh, the, the, the public institutions have tried to discredit creation, and they've tried to <coughs> discredit the idea that there is an intelligent designer of, of all that is out there, and they have tried to make it science, that evolution is, is science, and that it, it is uh, totally against what God's Word says, but uh, we're going to see that God's Word speaks differently than that. I also find it interesting, in just a matter of a few years, in 2007, there was a study that went out, and 50% of Americans at that time said that they were very familiar with creationism. They asked that same question in 2014, and that number had dropped to 38%. And as it continues to grow, the, the, the number of those that, that are deniers, they, they seem to have the, the, the megaphones. They're the ones that seem to have the platforms more often than, than those who do not. And, and uh, uh, it, it seems like we might be losing that war, but uh, we're not, and we need to understand that these attacks aren't new at all. If you turn to 2 Timothy, Paul was writing this to Timothy right before he died and, and trying to tell Timothy of some, some things that, that were very important for him to, to know and understand. And, and in 2 Timothy, <clears throat> or 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, he writes this. He says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Well, that's the word of God. We, we've been committed to the, 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 the word of God, and, and uh, we need to trust what it says, and committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings. And, and so those things that are, that are profane and, and uh, ungodly, and those things that are vain babblings, that are worthless speech, that teach nothing, and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. Find it interesting that even all the way back when um, just 30 years after Jesus had been crucified that they were already dealing with the idea that science was battling against creation and, and against the things of God. Over in 2 Peter chapter 3, this is what he tells us, so, and, and Peter writes this, and, and, and uh, he says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 5, he tells us, he says, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world then that then was being overflowed with water perished. Now, here we see that the scientists were even arguing during Peter's time that there was no such thing as the flood. However, it would be interesting to bring in those scientists who are also creationists and and they can do a far better job of explaining the science side of things. But true science will always point you to an intelligent designer. And Satan knows then that this is the greatest battle that he has. That it, it, Satan knows that if he can discredit the creation, 
the first two the first two chapters of Genesis, and actually it's really a battle probably over the first 11 chapters of Genesis, that if he can discredit that, then he can discredit the entire Bible, and he discredits God, and, and so then man is true and God is a liar. However, we know that that isn't the case, and we know that the only way that Satan is trying to teach anything is through lies and deception, and tries to convince them through his lies and deceptions, but we do know that God stands on truth, and his word is true. And we can find out what God says about creation and about himself, and we can trust what his word says because it is true. How do I know it's true? Because God says it, and I, and I trust it. And that's what we have to come to in our lives is that we need to understand that that evolution is as much of a religion as Christianity. And it takes just as much faith to trust in evolution. As a matter of fact, I believe that it takes more faith to trust in evolution than it does to trust in creation and what God's Word tells us about it. Because everything that man teaches about evolution is what is called a theory. However, we know that God's word is true, and we trust in what God's word says. And so let's look at three truths that, or, or three aspects of this creation that God talks about. And, and the first one is, let's give thought to the creator himself. Psalm 90, if you would like, and we will turn quite a bit, so I'll, uh, uh, I'm, I'm turning too, so you can stay with me that way. But Psalm 90 and, and verse 2, this is what he tells us in the Psalms. He says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. In Isaiah 43, he tells us also, Isaiah 43 in verse 10, he, he tells us, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Now, I, I'm simple-minded, and I don't know, and I, I haven't studied it out. I do not know how scientists will uh, 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 explain the beginning of anything. I mean, the, the, there, there has to be a beginning for there to be an earth. There has to be a beginning for there to, to, to be a Big Bang theory. There, there has to be something that was created, and science proves that, uh, their science proves that uh, there is, something can't come from nothing. However, that I don't know what they teach, and I'm not sure how they would bring into the light that, that uh, something comes from nothing. But in God's Word, and it tells us here that, first of all, it tells us that, that God was before all of the creation. He's always been. That's who God is. He's eternal. He's always been eternal. And, and so here we have Him, and He does bring something out of nothing and creates it and, and makes it. And it says for uh, all the way back in Genesis 1 and verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke everything into existence as he did. He is eternal, and we can trust his account of what he says happened in creation. Job 38. Uh, Job, and, and uh, here God is answering Job. And, and uh, you talk about a humbling experience that Job had. And 
God said this to Job. Verse 4, where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding, who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who hath stretched the line upon it? I mean, God is asking Job this and expecting an answer, and, and we know Job's answer. He says, I repent in sackcloth and ashes, and, and I will say no more. That's what Job said, and the psalmist wrote in Psalm 104 and verse 5, he posed the question too. Actually, it wasn't a question, it was a rhetorical question, you might say, but who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever? Can I tell you that even in our society, in this state of confusion that we're in, this climate change that so many are pushing and pushing and trying to uh, scare you guys into thinking that that we can actually change the temperature of the world and that, that we ourselves can destroy this earth, I'm telling you, it is totally against what God's Word says. God will destroy this earth. God will bring down a new heaven and a new earth, and those who know Christ as their Savior will dwell on that new heavens and that new earth. But until then, this earth is safe, and God will make sure of that because judgment is still coming. And so we need to understand that God has forever existed, and, and so through Him then, we know that that's how creation comes about. And like I said, how do I know this? Because God's Word says it, and I trust what God's Word says. You need to trust what God's Word... It really, it comes down, you either trust what God's Word says, or you trust what man says. It, it really is black and white, and it is that simple. One's faith is in God's written word, and the other is, is, is in the man's theories that have been written down. Psalm 33, if you would. Let's see what Psalm 33 in verse 9 uh, tells us also about our Creator and, and His own testimony. It says, For He spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Look over in Hebrew, or Colossians, first of all. We'll, we'll stop in Colossians on the way to Hebrews, but... Colossians 1 and verse 17, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Hebrews chapter 1. Here he also is giving testimony, and, and it tells us in Hebrews 1 and verse 10, uh, it says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shall thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. And then you look on over to Hebrews chapter 11, and look at verse 3, and it says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That word framed to put into order, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. God created out of nothing because God is God. And so we think about the Creator and, and His power and, and His eternality, but let's also give thought to the creation itself. Turn over to Psalm 19. <clears throat> Psalm 19, and look at the first three verses of Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. And so the, you think about the firmament, that's the... That, that's the, uh, the, the vast expanse of the heavens that we can see. 
We look at that, and it showeth his handiwork. Boy, aren't there nights. Uh, I mean, I, we've, we've lived in several places throughout the country, and some of you have lived a lot more places than I have, but I'm telling you, you can't beat the sunrises and the sunsets of eastern Colorado. I mean, they are, they are just gorgeous. And, and one thing that we hate when we moved into Brush is you don't get to see that. You know, someday maybe we'll get back out into the country where, where you can watch the sun go down and, and just the, the gorgeous colors that, that God has created, and it shows his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. I, you, know, you think about the, the, the noise of creation. I, I don't know if you guys are, uh, some of you probably are familiar with them, but in Missouri we, could, we would sit out at night and watch the lightning bugs. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what they're really called. We just call them lightning bugs, you know. And, and we, we started tattooing before it was ever popular, you know. You'd catch that little lightning bug and you'd wipe them on there, you know, and you'd glow in the dark yourself, you know. I know the bug lost his life. Sorry, Peter, we killed the bugs, all right. But uh, you can still use them for fish bait, you know. They're still usable. So, but, you, you know, you, you love, I used to love that. You'd sit and you'd hear the light, you'd see the lightning bugs and, and you'd, you'd hear the locusts carrying on, and, and, and then you would uh, uh, hear the whippoorwills. You know, I, when I would turkey hunt back in the day, uh, I, I'm, I was scared of the dark. I'm not really fond of it still yet today, you know. But back in the day, I was pretty spooked of the dark, and, and uh, we would go to, I'd go turkey hunting because I loved to turkey hunt. And you had to get out early in the morning before the bird woke up, so you're always out there in the dark. And, and I always found it comforting that, as I was walking along, I could hear the whippoorwills because I knew if that whippoorwill was calling that everything was okay. It's when he quit calling that the hair stood up on your neck. You know, that's when the big bear was coming to eat you or the mountain lion was loose or, you know, or I don't know, some guy had escaped from prison. I don't know, whatever it was, it was going to try to eat me. But I just found such, there, there is such a comfort in just sitting there and, and hearing nature and, and hearing God's creation and, and just seeing the wonderment of it all. You know, I elk hunting one time and was sitting up on what we called High Rock up in Sarvis Creek Wilderness area. And, and I know I wasn't the first one to sit there, but I, I know that majority of people in this country have never sat there. And, and, I, and I was able to sit there one morning and, and watch the sun come up over the flat tops. And, and I thought, man, what, what a gorgeous, wonderful privilege and experience to be able to sit there and see God's creation. Oh, you don't have to look very far to see, and, and it speaks out to us, and there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Oh, God's creation is everywhere, and, and we see it, and we get to live it in, in it and, and experience it, and, and we already looked at this verse, but in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, it tells us because of the creation that no one is with excuse and, and no one can come to God and say, hey, God, I rejected you because I knew nothing. God said, oh, you knew something because you saw creation. Romans 1 and verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Oh, creation definitely reveals an intelligent designer. You people can try to, to uh, uh, contradict that, but they truly are foolish in what they're doing, and they have only theories that they have that 
uh, trying to say that all of this has evolved into, in, into this uh, uh, perfection that it is. I'm sorry, but it, it is definitely showing the hands of an intelligent designer. And, and creation reveals an order. I mean, remember, it tells us in the scripture that, that God is not the author of confusion. Evolution starts off with complete confusion and chaos. I mean, that's the great bang. That, it, it's all about chaos. And, and you think about that, and even in just that, it's showing the, the opposite character of God himself. And God is not the author of confusion. God is a God of order. God, God is not, does, does nothing that, that, that uh, is reckless in any way whatsoever. God is one that has thought through everything. God is perfect in all of his thinking. God has set an order to everything, and, and it's orderly, and it's intricate, and it's precise. Think of even your own DNA, how precise that is, that we all have a different DNA. I mean, it's amazing to me to think about these things and, and understand and and whenever you see that and you see the order of that, then you think about the chaos, then you got to think where chaos comes from. Chaos comes from the devil. I'm sorry, but it does. If your life is full of chaos today, that isn't from God. And so how we need to understand that God wants order and, and direction in your life and, and, and uh, there is no chaos. That's why Look, even in salvation itself, he doesn't want you to have chaos about your salvation. He wants you to know for certain that if you died today, you're on your way to heaven. There is no doubt. He doesn't want you to have doubt in that. He wants you to make sure that you have that settled in your own heart, in your own life, and you settle that by trusting in, in the orderly fashion that God has set, the, and he created this before the foundations of the world. He had made the plan for Jesus to go to that cross, to die for the sins of the world, to be the perfect sacrifice, to relieve the, the wrath of God upon all those who will believe, trust in him. And so you trust in him, and, and in that order of things, then you find that God gives you eternal life. And, and you can know that you have salvation. Have you asked Christ to be your Savior today? Do you know it in your heart and your life that you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? And it isn't something that you have to do day after day after day after day and keep asking Him and asking Him. If you are truly sincere and you have asked Him and trusted Him to be your Savior, He gave you eternal life and He doesn't go back on His Word. And so trust in that. He wants you to know that. And, I, and, and God wants it, we want it. We're here to tell you that there is nothing better than knowing Christ as your Savior and settling that and getting that chaos out of your heart and your mind and your life. Oh, we think about the intelligent designer. Here, here's some thoughts, and I find this interesting. I've read some stuff about this, even from NASA, but uh, uh, the galaxy. Think about the galaxy that we're in, the Milky Way galaxy. It's considered a spiral galaxy. And in the spiral galaxy, you find out that is the only type of galaxy that can actually withstand or, or, or hold life. And I think something else that's interesting in this spiral galaxy, that there's only 10% of the, the, the placement in that galaxy that, that the earth could be in to withstand life. 
in that huge galaxy, that one place in it is the only place it could be in that galaxy to withstand light. Isn't that amazing? And so you have the ideal galaxy. You have the, the, the solar system that we're in. Less than a 5% variation in the distance between the earth and the sun would kill all life. You, you would either burn up or you would freeze to death. Just that simple. The gravity. I, I, I should have paid attention better, but Jupiter, they say Jupiter is what you would call the vacuum sweeper uh, of the planets. And the Jupiter's gravity system, which is big, I mean, it's the biggest planet in the solar system, and, and, it's, and it protects Earth. Because of its gravity system, all of the particles that's flying through orbit and flying through the solar system, it pulls, its gravity pulls all of those particles into it to protect Earth from getting hit by all of the meteors and all the other stuff that's going on. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, I should have studied this more. I, I could have really driven teachers crazy if I would have known some of these things just to stir them up, you know? The sun, 90% of the stars in the, in the galaxy are called red dwarves. However, we know that the sun is a rare, perfect star that gives off the precise amount of heat without a lethal amount of radiation. We'd all be fried by that too. Isn't it amazing? I mean, to, to think of these, and then the moon, if the moon was not the exact size that it is, it would cause our rotation around the sun to slow down or to speed up, and it would either cause tides that would flood the world, or, or it, would, it, it would devastate the, the ocean life, kill all the life in the ocean, which would in turn kill us. How do you explain that? All of a sudden, these things happen, and and produce a life and, and uh, some little atom. I don't know where the first atom came from. I don't. And maybe some scientist could try to, to dazzle me that wants to deny God. But something has to come from uh, something, right? Unless it's the design creator. It was a perfect creator, an intelligent designer, God himself, who created it from nothing. It just seems to me that it is definitely easier to believe what God says than what it is in these theories that man want to, to try to teach us and tell us and teach it as science when it cannot be proven. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, I love this verse. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasures they are and were created. You have a someone sitting in your family and they're just kind of wondering and trying to question life and trying to find out what their purpose in life is. Can I tell you that you have been fearfully and wonderfully created by God and, and he wants you to honor and glorify him and you can find your life to be truly satisfying, not in the things of this world, not in the confusion of the things of the world, but you can find it truly satisfying and complete in knowing the will of God, knowing you're on your way to heaven, knowing that you have a Savior that loves you, knowing that you have uh, uh, your Savior in front of you, walking with you, and helping you along the way. And so that brings us to that third thing, the conflict. Look over in Isaiah 14, if you would. Isaiah 14 and verses 12 through 15. How 
How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the earth. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. See, that was the devastating problem and sin of Satan himself, who from becoming Lucifer to becoming Satan to becoming the great deceiver, he said, I want to be like God. Guess what? It doesn't happen. And we know that because of that, the enemy then was cast here on earth on this uh, cursed world and and he has become the enemy now of anything that is the will of God. And he's going to be adamantly against that. And his rebellion is seen in Genesis chapter 3 where, where it is there, the downfall of mankind when he deceived Eve. And Adam then followed along and, and, and made the decision and brought all of the world into the curse of sin. John chapter 10, this is, this is what it says about uh, about the devil himself, and we need to understand this and, and know that we are in a battle and, and an enemy that hates us. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You see, our God, our Savior, He came and He created life. He gave life to all of us. He breathed it into each one of us, and we have life. And everything about Jesus represents life, and everything about devil represents death and chaos and confusion. And, oh, this attack is going to continue, and evolution is a direct assault on God's trustworthiness and reliability. Oh, I... I, I, I do not understand, I, I don't understand how, how we as Christians have, have allowed the public school system to, to root out the Bibles and take the Bibles out of the classrooms. And, and, and I, I don't, honestly, you guys can correct me on this, I believe, I believe the only school in Morgan County that still lets the Gideons bring Bibles in is Beaver Valley Elementary. And I don't even know if they still do. Why? I went to I went to board members years ago who are uh, had given profession that they are born again believers. I said, "What is the deal? Why can we? Why can you not allow the Gideons to at least sit out on the sidewalk and and they're not doing anything? Okay, they're just standing there on the sidewalk with Bibles and handing them out if somebody wants one. And and they said, "Well, if we do that, we got to let them do everything else." Can I tell you? Let God's word stand on itself. Let every man be a liar, but God will be true. And God can take his word and he can use that and, and work in people's lives and show them the truth. Bring it back. Bring back the Bible. It's more scientific than the science books that teach evolution and teach chaos and, 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 and trying to teach us and tell us that we are gods ourselves. No, we're not. We are a creation made by a great, intelligent designer, God himself. And he wants you to find peace and, and joy in your life by serving Him, giving your life to Him, trusting Him, knowing that your sins are forgiven, knowing that you have purpose in life, and He'll save you. Either God is a liar and cannot be trusted, or He is truth, and you can count on it. And you can base your entire belief system on Him and His Word. 
Remember, it says in Psalm 139, I already mentioned this, but I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and my soul knoweth right well. Look, I need to qualify something. I'm not against any teacher that's sitting here in our church. I hope you know that. I can't stand how they have tried to tie your hands. And I find it sad and disgusting that they will try to tell you and teach you that a theory made by man has more credibility than God Almighty that you can see proven just even in nature itself. Teach them both. Let it stand. Let one be truth. Let one not. Let those children decide. Why is it that that we allow the enemy to win the battle? Why is it that we let the enemy have the megaphone? You know why? Why can't we stand up and be just a little bit louder than him? Why can't we be a little more courageous than the, the wickedness that is standing out there? Why can't we stand out there and tell them that Jesus is the answer and that he can bring peace and that he can bring comfort in your life and that he can rid you of the stress that you have in your life and he can give you a purpose that will honor him for all eternity? I'm telling you, their way isn't working. Our children's suicide rates are exponentially higher than they've ever been. The immorality that is out there is disgusting that we see today. The confusion that our children are dealing with today. Can I tell you that that stuff is not a product of evolution either. It's just a product of denying God. You know what Jesus tells us? Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Come unto me. I know it's cliche and I know we have a little card, but it is so true. Jesus is the answer. Are you full of chaos today? Well, I'm telling you, that didn't come from Jesus. That, that doesn't come from God. God is a God of order. God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of long-suffering. God is also a God of holiness and righteousness. And he, and he has love, but he doesn't dismiss his righteousness and his holiness either. That's where Jesus comes in. Jesus bridges the gap. And we need to understand that he's the answer. And so we come unto him. You have to make that will to do so. That is, your, that is your desire. That is your will. You must do that. Nobody can do it for you. Only, only you can do that. But you can come unto Jesus, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I found, I found there's not much in this world that's light and easy. Matter of fact, the older I get, the heavier it seems to get. And you see the, you're not, and it's not your own burden so much. It's the, you, I guess you get older and experienced and you, you watch people living the way they are and you know, boy, they got a load coming. They're not, they're not sure. They don't know what they're getting into yet, but there's a load coming. And then you see those that are dealing with the loads, and, and you see those that, that are trying to handle it through the worldly ideas and trying to 
handle those burdens. And can I tell you, the weight of this world will crush every one of you, even the toughest of people. But Jesus is the answer. And you come to him. And you just humble yourself, just like everybody does. I mean, we're talking about the creator of the world, the, the, the one that knows everything about us. There is nothing that's hidden from God. And so we come to him in a humble heart, and, and we trust what he has said. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus died on that cross for the sins of the world, and that if I will call on him and trust and place all my faith in what he has done, he will save me. And I trust that. Why? Because God's Word says it. And I live my life trusting what God's Word will say. Either I'm right or I'm wrong. But I can tell you that if you think I'm wrong and you get your heart right, I'll see you in heaven you can apologize to me when you get there. And if you don't believe me and you want to go your own way, then you're going to find out how absolutely wrong you were. And we don't want that. Don't trust the lies of the chaos and, and the father of all of that chaos. But let's trust in the one that gave us Jesus, whose yoke is easy and his burden is light. Truly, what a joy it is to know Jesus as your Savior. And can I tell you, it, it just, when, when, you, when you just get to where you trust him for what he says, and even in creation, and quit trying to think about all these questions and stuff. Just trust what he says. You'll find a piece that it just helps. And it'll help you get through life. And you won't be angry and trying to prove God wrong. But you'll see many times over where God proves himself to be right. And so let's trust him. Let's walk with him. Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for what you tell us about you, about creation, about the conflict that truly is raging. And so, Father, I pray that you stir in the hearts of each one who's here. Lord, maybe the devil has been making the noise so loud in someone's heart and mind that today it was no mistake that they were here today to get rid of the chaos and just hear from what your word says. And that today they can see and know and understand that they're in need of a Savior. So, Father, I pray that you stir in their heart. And I pray, Father, that that simple, childlike faith that you have described to us, that they would exercise that today. They would admit to you that they're a sinner, that they need a Savior. That they know and understand that Jesus went to that cross for them and died and rose again and took the wrath of God. And so they call on you to save them today. And Father, I pray that you would save them as they call on you, humbling themselves and asking you. Lord, I pray that you change their lives. Let them truly understand what it means to have sins forgiven and a purpose in life that they've never had before. Lord, I thank you for those who are believers today. Thank you for those who have trusted Christ, some lately, some earlier, but they never followed you in baptism, and today they want the world to know that they're a disciple of Christ. And so I pray that you bless the service that we have with them and pray that you encourage them and help them to continue to live 
confidently and courageously according to what your word says. And Father, we just thank you and love you and pray you do a work in our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen.